Welcome to DP City Church Podcast. Connect, grow, serve. Ready? Well, as Steve mentioned, yes, my dad is down at Loma Linda. He was not feeling well last night. And so, in all of his wisdom, finally, uh, (laughs) finally, uh, we talked him into getting some medicine from the doctor, and how many know doctors are not open on the weekend? So Loma Linda is where they landed. So we are just praying for complete healing. Hopefully he will get some drugs, legal drugs, <laughs> legal, uh, I gotta say that right, otherwise I'll get in trouble, legal drugs and uh, be back home resting. So in the meantime, I get to preach. So I have a good word for you. Um, yeah, I've, I've taught on this before, but the short amount of time I had to uh, find what I feel like God wanted me to say this morning, uh, I think this fits exactly where we are. I think it fit 10 years ago when I taught it, and I think it still fits today, because how many know the Word of God never changes, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, so it's all good. So how many have had times in their life where you just feel like, this is never going to get better? Everything I do, I know that God fills in, but gosh, where is he? How many have ever had that? Come on, I can't be the only one. How many have ever said, no matter what I do, this is not going to change? No, just me? I I may or may not say that every now and then. How many feel like that, even though in the back of your mind, in your heart, you know what the word of God says, you still feel like, where is God? Where is God? How many feel like that in the world today? You know, we see a lot of changes compared to this time last year. Look at how much has changed compared to 10 years ago. Look at how much has changed. Just look at the commercials on TV, and that tells you where our world is going. So many things just on commercials. You don't even have to turn a movie or a TV show on. Just watch commercials. That's enough. So today, we are going to talk on one of my favorite subjects. I like big butts. Everybody say it with me. I like big butts. Now, there is never going to be another time in the church that you will ever be able to say the phrase, I like big butts. But today, we're going to talk about it because I believe those are two words in the Bible that change everything. How many have ever had somebody tell you a story and they're going on and on about all these horrible things that maybe have happened in this story and this circumstance and it goes on and on and on, and then there's that moment where they say, but, and you know everything changes. Everything changes. It doesn't matter what happened in the story. You know something is about to change in that story. Otherwise, you wouldn't say, but, because you know there's something that shifts everything, and it doesn't matter what happened in the past. It doesn't matter what you just heard, what you just saw. As soon as somebody says, but, that means it's all about to change. How many would like that? You know, there's phrases in the Bible like Jesus healed all. He cared for them. He touched them. He walked with them. However, when you find that God says, but, that means God's about to step in and do more than just heal, more than just deliver, more than just touch. He's going to change the whole circumstance. And how many know when you get healed, saved, or delivered? That is a whole circumstance, right? But I believe there's a shift coming, that is coming, that is happening with the church. Yes, I know you can turn on Fox News, you can turn on CNN, CBS, NBC, you name all those three letters, TV stations, I don't really care. 
But you know what? That's what the world says. That's what the world says. We can turn that on and be in the best mood, but gosh, you listen to that, and your whole day is shot. Oh my gosh, what's happening with abortion? What's happening with transgender? What's happening with gender? What's happening with the school system, with our government, in, in other nations, with wars and rumors of wars? What? Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? However, we have that. But God says that he is the ruler of the world. Does Satan roam the earth and take charge of what he wants? Sure, sometimes. But God's in charge of all of it. But I've read the end of the book. And I know what the Bible says about my situation. I know what the Bible says about the world economics, about financially, about marriages, about kids, about all of this stuff, all of that stuff that you can put in on the news that we can talk about and say, the world is so bad. Oh my gosh, it's all so bad. But, but God says, will we be here this time next year? I don't know. But I know what God says. I know that God says he's in charge of my yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And it doesn't matter what somebody says may or may not happen this time next year. I know that today, I know who I serve. And if I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who's above all of it, it doesn't matter. It only matters in the sense that my job and my mission, my purpose is to go to people and say, but, but. I've got something better, but I can help you. But I know the one, but I can, but I can point you to, but I can give you. I have that. We have that. As Christians, we have that hope. We have that that we can give the world. We have that that we can give ourselves, that God's already given us. Amen? So a lot of times we have situations, and I'm sure we all have a ton of testimonies we can talk about, um, where God has not God, where things have happened to us and we find that there's a but afterwards. You ever found that sometimes you go through a situation, it's really hard, it's really tough, you don't know why, you don't know how, you don't know who, you don't know where it all went wrong and you think, oh my gosh, I don't know how this fits in what God has for me until you find out later that there was a really big but. You ever had that? So a couple years ago, a few years ago, and I've told this story a few times, it's late in the, actually early in the morning, about one in the morning, and Steve wakes me up and he says, there's something going on outside. Now we live on a corner lot, so on the corner of our house we have windows that face the street, and we're on this corner in this nice little neighborhood. He says, there's some loud noise, I, th I thought the kids were Somebody was crying, but I went out, and the whole living room is lit up. And I was like, what? I don't know. I'm asleep. I don't like to be woken up. Whatever. <laughs> so we go out. Definitely not the girls. Our whole living room is lit up. We've got windows on the corner of our house. So on both sides of the street, we get light flooded into our living room. And it's bright. It's not just like somebody has headlights on. Somebody has a lot of headlights on. Something's happening. And we hear this muffled noise. <laughs> I was like, what are they saying? Scoot around, come out with your hands up, round circle. And I was like, I think that's you. <laughs> that ain't me. <laughs> My name ain't Steve. And we're both like, are they outside telling you to come out? I, and then we realized 
They're outside telling him to come out. Him, not me. <laughs> Point that one out. Not, not me. <laughs> and it gets louder. Steve Ryan, 1063 round circle. I just gave my address out. 1024 round circle. <laughs> Whatever. We're the only blue house in the neighborhood. We're hard to miss. <laughs> come out with your hands up. And we're like, he's like, I ain't going out. I'm like, well, I'm not going out. So I said, well, let's get, let's call the cops. Let's find out. Is this cops? So I call 911. And I'm like, somebody's outside our house. And she's like, oh, yeah. Are you the Ryan household? Yeah. Oh, Steve needs to go out. And I was like, you need to go out. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I ain't going out. He disappears to the bathroom. So I'm on hold. True story. I'm on hold with 911, and the lady's like, he really needs to go out. The SWAT team is out there. They've been out there for quite a while calling your guys' name. Well, <laughs> calling his name. <laughs> he really needs to go out. So I'm like, Steve, you really got to go out. He's like, I ain't going out. So finally, he goes out, and the lady's like, just tell him to go out. Don't take anything with him. Go out the door. Follow their directions. You stay on the phone. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I, out goes Steve walking down the driveway with his hands in the air. He gets to the end, and they're like, okay, walk backwards to the car. SWAT team. I mean, like, not just a car. SWAT team. Floodlights, the whole nine yards. I mean, if you see it on TV, that was our neighborhood. And it was on Facebook, ironically. So he goes out. So this lady is on the phone. So I'm calling my dad because I got another phone. I'm calling my dad, and I'm like, Dad, this isn't a joke, because I'm always joking. This isn't a joke. I don't know where you are. I know you're asleep. You got to call me back. The SWAT team's here. I'm like, he's never going to believe that. So I text him. I'm like, the SWAT team is here. We don't know why they just took Steve out. And the lady on the phone at the same time is like, um, so they're going to take you out next. And I was like, what? I'm like, okay, send. So I run into the bedroom. I'm putting my hair up. I'm getting my socks on. Like I'm making myself look better. Got to get my glasses on. I mean, they're taking care of Steve. So, in, you know, until they call me, I ain't going. You know, she's like, okay, you got to go out. I'm like, all right. So I put the phone down. I go out, do the whole thing, hands in the air, go down the driveway. <laughs> and of course, Steve, if you know Steve, he is now making conversation with all the cops. So how's your night going? And they're like, um, well, okay. Long story short, Steve can make a wall talk. I always say that. He can talk for hours and find anything out. Uh, long story short, all of SWAT team apparently had been there 20 or 30 minutes. Who knew? Apparently we sleep very well. <laughs> With a fan on the whole nine yards. We didn't hear them. The whole neighborhood heard them, but we didn't hear them. So apparently a neighbor kid right across the street, we've been there for over 20 years, and the neighbor kid knew that we were pastors, that we were part of a church. And so he was dared online on one of the online video games to SWAT somebody. Now, if you don't know what that means... That basically means to call the SWAT team out, give a reason why a SWAT team should show up at any random location or house. Now, this was prior to the guy, I don't know if you remember the story in Florida, where somebody did that to the guy in Florida, and the guy walked out, he got shot and died. Nobody really kind of knew what SWATting was. I mean, in my day, SWATing was something totally different. <laughs> I, got plenty of, I got plenty of experience in that one. So... <laughs> Come to find out, this kid was dared by friends online to swat somebody in his neighborhood. He did it to actually a couple Walmarts in Texas, and then they said, we'll do it to somebody in your neighborhood. So he looks out the window, 
calls the cops, says, my neighbor, who's a pastor, they have two young girls and a wife, and he's holding them hostage in the garage, demanding $10,000 because he wants more cocaine. Go figure. And so they want a description. Great, what's the address? He gave the wrong address, but he described the whole house. It's a blue house. At the time, Steve had a black car. I had a different car. So he describes everything, I mean, like, in detail. So the SWAT team starts going to the neighborhood. Do you know a Pastor Steve? Oh, yeah, he lives at the corner blue house. Good reason not to get to know your neighbors. <laughs> so they all confirm, yeah, he's got two girls. He's got a wife. They live in the blue house, got a black car. He works at a church, the whole nine yards. So we go through all this. They realize, after long story short, they realize the story is not true, probably because I was still alive, I don't know, and our girls were sound asleep, thank God. They went through our house, you know, with guns, opened up all the doors. We get to the back bedroom, and Steve's like, you know, I could still really use that $10,000. I was like, not the time, not the time, dude. <laughs> not the time. <laughs> so... Of course, we go back, they leave after they do their search and realize we are not the people. However, the next day, we get, the sergeant shows up, and he says, listen, this is what happened, tells us more of the story, kind of puts the pieces together, but he says, you know, I realize you're a pastor, but this is really a ministry opportunity, right? And he said, this kid comes from a really rough home. And not a mom and dad in the situation, got some step-parents involved. He's having a really rough time. So, you know, it's up to you what you want to do. I don't even know if they offered to press charges, whatever it was. So we actually, we left our kids at home. We went across the street, talked with them. <laughs> this time we left them there. <laughs> talked with the kid. He actually came to church with us the next night. This is a few years ago. Showed up at church, got saved. And over the next few years, he actually would call or stop, actually stop by. He'd walk across the street a couple times in tears. He'd show up at our front porch. I need to talk to somebody. And of course, he came to Steve, mostly Steve. And, you know, it was one of those situations that it could have gone really, really bad. And Steve did his sister's wedding years later. That's right. We got to know the family a little bit more. And it was a hard situation. He had to do community service. He, he definitely had more charges than just us that he had to deal with. But, you know, luckily, however much I don't want to say it, luckily we were one of those charges. And he came across some ministry opportunity, and we took it. But, you know, it's one of those situations where I tell you the story, I tell you the story, and I go, but he came to church that next night. But he kept showing up to our doorstep because he knew where the hope was. He knew where the answer was. And it wasn't us. It was in us. It was what we had to offer. It was what we had to say. And it wasn't because we were anything special, nothing like that. It was just because God had made a way where there was no other way to make a really big, I like, big butts. <laughs> Psalm 62 says this, My soul waits silently for God alone, for he is my hope. He only is the rock of my salvation. My, he is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him, for God is a refuge for us. This is what hope means. To look forward with confidence, trust, belief, and desire. 
That's what hope is. You can't have faith without hope. You have to have hope in something. Whether it's the chair you're sitting on is going to stay standing. (laughs) The car you get in is going to start and drive you home. Whatever the issue is, your medicine that you're given every month, it's going to work. All of these different things, we put our faith and hope in something. But we need to put our faith and hope in God. And hope means this in the uh, English language. It actually means the word hop, which means to hop, to leap with expectation that you're going to land on something. How many have ever had a situation where physically, spiritually, maybe it's different, but physically it doesn't look like it should look? And you've had to move out and make a decision based on hope alone. Hope based in your faith. You leap with expectation. You make a decision knowing God's going to save me. But God is going to be there. But God is going to do what he says in the word. But God is going to be the one to catch me because I am not going to fall. But God is always going to be my hope. Psalms 18, 1 through 2 says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation. Now, you know, a horn is in the animal kingdom. You know, you have animals that have horns and they fight with them. That's their means of defense. You have horns that are used, um, you know, as analogies. They're used as like a symbol of strength, a symbol of power, a symbol of dominion. But the word horn also means the peak or a summit of a hill. The horn, you know, like you got the Matterhorn at Disneyland. You got the highest point of something. That's what it means. He's the horn of our salvation. But what does that mean? It means that when everything else is here, God is up here. When everything else is in the valley, God is at the peak. God is the horn of our salvation. And you know, back Back in the day, as my kids always say, back in the day, (laughs) in Bible times, and even today, you'll find different nations and different people that they will have gods, and they'll put them at the high point of places, right? You'll go into a town, you'll see even in the Bible where they had uh, gods and idols, and they'd always place them on the highest peak in their area. Why? Because it was above Everything else that happened in their nation, everything else that happened in their city, in their life, they wanted to be able to look up and go, that's my God. So when God says he's the horn of our salvation, he's the highest point. He's what should be the highest thing in our life. He's the thing that we should always look up and go, but that's my God. I may be here, but that's my God. I may be here, but that's where my salvation comes from. I may be here, but that's where financially my provision, my marriage, my kids, everything that we work with, everything that we deal with daily, all of these things that come before us, I know that God rises above all of that. He is the horn of my salvation. Isaiah 59 says, They fear the Lord, the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And you know, a standard is, is you have a, a standard bearer in, a, in any war. And they carry this flag. That's their job. They carry a flag, and it's the rallying point. And if that standard ever goes down, somebody else picks it up. Because they know, as an army, if that standard goes down, they're losing. They're losing the battle. They've got to keep the flag. They've got to keep it always high always above everything so everybody can see this is where we're going to rally. 
And you know, there's a story I've used before where there was a, I don't remember what war it was, but there was a general who told his, told his men, go up to the hill. Well, they started getting all this all, uh, combat and all, all these, they were getting fired on. And so they, he's calling them back. No, come back down the hill, retreat. And the standard bearer says, I'm not going down. You need to come up to me. We're the high point. We need to raise up the banner and let our army know we're still winning. And you know, right now in the world, that's who we are. You are an, a standard bearer. You are an armor bearer. You need to raise up the flag, the banner of Jesus Christ over every situation. We don't buy in to all this stuff where the world's, you know, what they believe about all these different circumstances. I don't even name them. You guys all know them. We, we don't buy into that. I buy into the word of God. Am I going to be here tomorrow? I don't know. But you know what? Today I'm going to use every moment I have. Am I going to be here next year? I don't know. But God willing, I'm going to use every single moment that I have. I'm not going to waste it spending my time worrying about all this stuff down here. Because I shouldn't be looking down here. I need to be looking up here where God resides, where my hope resides, where my faith resides, where everything should come into alignment. Everything should focus back on the standard, back on the horn of salvation. And you know, there's a, a lot of situations in the Bible where we find stories where there's a really big but God. I mean, I, I had a couple of them written down and I erased them all. I just stuck with one. You know, one of the good ones is Daniel in the lion's den. And you may know the story, but Daniel was told, he was told by King Darius, King Darius went before all the people and said, I am now God. So as God, everybody needs to bow down to me. You don't pray to anybody else. However, King Darius and Daniel had a really, really good relationship. They liked each other. They were friends. They worked together. Daniel worked with King Darius, and King Darius grew really fond of him. And he knew what Daniel believed. And so despite that, he still says, everybody in my kingdom must now pray only to me. So if anybody is caught praying to any other god, you will be thrown into the lion's den. Now if you research it, it actually says that it wasn't just like some tame little zoo lions. They actually would starve the lions for days and days and days so that when they would throw somebody down there, that's all they wanted. That's all they wanted. So it was not a good situation. It was not a, you know, we read the story like, oh, Daniel lived in the lion's den. Oh, no. This was a bad situation. It was not a good situation. So nonetheless, Daniel, time comes for everybody to pray. Daniel opens his window. Now, how many have ever prayed in secret or said things in secret because you don't want to get in trouble by those in the world? You don't want to get backlash. Oh, my gosh. I need to keep my opinions to myself. If what you believe is your opinion, it's not really what you believe. It should be what you live by. It needs to become your opinion to your life. If it stays your opinion, your opinion can waver. Your opinion can change. I can sway your opinion. I should never be able to sway your opinion if it's based on the word of God. Because the word of God never changes. Yesterday, today, and forever. So all of these opinions that we have that we don't want to throw our opinion out on what marriage really is, on what should be taught in school, all these other issues, abortion, uh, world economics, everything. If it's your opinion, then you need to go study the Word of God and find out what the Word of God says, because that should be what you believe. Your opinion is not what you believe. Your opinion is what you think. I don't know about you, but my, my mind thinks weird ways. 
and I shouldn't always trust my thoughts. Says this in Daniel. So I'm sorry, I'll back up. So Daniel was caught praying, left the windows open. Somebody saw him praying, reported him. Oh my gosh, King Darius, your good friend. Daniel, he went against. Well, you got to throw him in the lion's den. You got to keep what the king says. So it says this. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now, don't you find it funny that even the world, even King Darius said, the God whom you believe, he knew what Daniel already believed. He was so strong in what he believed that even the world said, I know what you say about your God, and I hope it works. When was the last time we had the world say that to us? So it says that King Darius stayed up all night mourning. Oh my gosh, my good friend Daniel. It says he wouldn't eat, wouldn't drink. He stayed up fasting. He stayed up praying, which I find weird because he was God. How do you pray to yourself? But whatever, we won't go there. The world finds ways. So it says that the next morning he made haste, which means he, he rose with alarm. Oh my gosh, is Daniel still alive? And it says this in the next verses. When he came to the dim, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Don't you find it funny again that the world says, the God who you believe, has he delivered you? Just a little bit of faith in there, right? Just a little bit of Gosh, maybe what you believe is right. Just a little bit. A little bit of hope, a little bit of faith, a little bit more than what he had when he originally said, I am now God. But now we find that the king starting to understand. So it says, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, but they have not hurt me. Have you ever been in a circumstance where you've called on God and you've called on God, and you've done the right thing, 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 and it feels like it's forever. Where is God? I know God's here. I know God's here. Daniel, if your God is real, did, did your God save you? And I can imagine that any moment, any second that it took for Daniel to respond was probably forever for King Darius. And I know in my own life, I have situations where I wait, and I wait, and I wait. You know, God, I don't know if I can wait anymore. I wait, and I wait. And then God steps in right as you're about to lose all hope and all faith. He steps in and changes things. It's that but God. It's that but God says, but God did. Because, see, God doesn't work in a time frame. You can't put God in a category of time. We work in a time frame. We have a beginning and we have an end. But there is no beginning and end to God. So we can't say that God is in this little box and God's going to show up on such and such day at such and such. Well, he doesn't work by time. He works by God. And God's not worth a category. You can't, you can't compare him to anything. There's nothing. Even Job says, you, what, what am I going to compare God to? Isaiah says it to, who do I compare you to? You made the sun and the moon and the stars. You told the waves where to start and where to stop. You blow the wind. You do all these things. Who do I compare you to? Who do I go before and say, oh, they showed you how to do it? Nobody. God is God. 
That's it. He's always been, always will be. But we work in a time frame. So when we get in situations and we get, you know, we start watching our Fox News and all these other things, we start going, oh, I don't know. God really needs to show up. He better hurry. Ukraine's on fire. Gosh, he better step in. Russia's doing this. He better step in. Our president, he better step in. Abortion, he better. No, God doesn't work on time. God's beginning. We're beginning and end. God's forever. It says this in Isaiah. In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And, you know, it says there's a story in, uh, with David where he was running from King Saul. And there's a story where it says that, you know, King Saul's chasing after him. It's been years. And finally, David comes upon a cave where Saul and his men are asleep. And it says he has the opportunity to go in and to kill Saul, just to end just to end the war. It's over. He would be king after all of that. Just close it out. Just finish it. But it says that instead he went in and he cut the robe off of King Saul while he was sleeping. And it says that he went to the other side of the hill and as King Saul woke up, he shouted down from the hill and he said, King Saul, I had an opportunity to kill you. This is my version, by the way. Don't go look it up. I mean, it's in the Bible. King James got a lot of this and say it's all, all in there. But it says this. He says, King Saul, I had an opportunity to kill you, but I want you to know instead, I took your robe. I took it. You were sleeping, and I walked off. And why is that significant? Because the robe of a king, every time they conquered something, they would take the, the robe from the king they conquered, and they'd sew it to their robe. And so the more they conquered, the longer their robe was. As they walked, they brought all of these kingdoms that they had conquered, all of the things that they have, that they have uh, uh, pulled down and conquered and, and taken over, they've sewed it to the end of their robe. So when David walked in and he cut the robe of Saul, he basically said, I took everything that you have worked for. It wasn't even worth taking your life. I took all of your conquerors all of your defeats, everything that you've worked for, everything you've sewn together uh, meticulously and you've placed on yourself and you've made it look like it's all yours, it was never yours to begin with. And so when Isaiah says, I saw the Lord seated on his throne high and lifted up and his, his train filled the temple, it means that everything that Jesus conquered on the cross, the sickness, the disease, the poverty, the, the mindset, the bondages, everything is tied all the way back through this robe, on and on. I mean, you name it. You name a situation you've been in, it's tied to that robe. It's in the throne. And as Jesus walks in, it says that this, his robe filled the temple. Now, here's even better. Not only did it fill the temple, but in the New Testament, it says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Within you resides the but God says. Within you resides all of those things that the enemy tried to take from you. All of those things the enemy tried to give to you, to put on you, to say about you, to do to you. All of those things Jesus conquered and he sewed it to the end of his robe. And now not only does it reside in his temple, it resides in us because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are that but God says. You said this about me, but God says. You want to do this to me, but God says. You want to kill more babies, God says. You want to infiltrate our schools, 
God says. You want to take away marriage? God says. You want to mess with my kids? God says. All of those things have already been conquered, have already been taken over, and yet we as a church can sit back sometimes and go, oh, gosh, did you see what they're trying to pass now? Now, don't get me wrong. We need to advocate. We need to stand up. you got to be that standard bearer. We can't sit back and go, oh, God already conquered. Really? David still had to go in and take the robe. He still had to walk through fear. You know, I heard, I, I probably have the title wrong, but I heard the other day that Joyce Myers come, came out with another book. It says, do it, do it in fear. I think that was the phrase. Do it in fear. Basically, even if you're scared, do it anyway. Even if you have fear, do it anyway. How many have ever gotten on a roller coaster and you're like, oh my God, we went to Knott's a couple weeks ago. I like roller coasters. But there are a few times where I'm like, oh my God, you know, hold on really tight, your knuckles are turning white. Do it anyway. Maybe not that. <laughs> do it anyway. Stand up for what you know is truly God. So, you know, as we end here, I want to remind you, I'm not up very often on a Sunday. Steve's not up very often on a Sunday. But, you know, as a church, this is what we believe. We believe the whole word of God. Every word of God, including, but God says. So when you go home and you turn on the TV, you open the newspaper, you open your phone, you read Yahoo, whatever it is, wherever you get your source from, make sure your main source is the word of God. Because you need to know what God says about your finances, about your health, about your marriage, your relationships. God needs, you need to know what God says about everything in your life so that when it comes against you, you can say, oh, no, no, no. But God says, let me tell you what it really means. Amen? Amen. Would you stand up as we close here? I want to remind you that we have tables outside. We have connect groups going on. And listen, I want to encourage you, if you are not involved in a connect group, I've, I have people, and I know Steve does, the rest of the staff does, that comes all the time. Oh, I need to, I really need a, to counsel with somebody. I need to talk with somebody about this. The best way to do that is in small groups and connect groups. You get in a relationship with other people you get, that are like-minded, that can talk you through things, that can help you with things, that can encourage you and show you what the Word of God says. Amen. So as we close, don't forget to go on out and make sure that you get dessert because how many know you can only get dessert first? when you come to church, right? How many did not eat breakfast? Uh, well, wow. Well, see, we have dessert for you. We're going to raise your sugar level so high, you're going to go home and eat so many vegetables. Just joking. All right. Listen, lift your hand up. If you are in a situation right now that you need a but God circumstance, Lord, I come before you. I pray over every person here with their hand raised. I thank you that you are God and we are not that you are in charge and no one else, nobody on the news, nobody in the paper, nobody even like me with the, with the microphone, it's the word of God that stands true, that is yesterday, today, and forever. You conquer it all. So I pray faith over these people. I pray hope over us. I thank you as we go out that you are going to give us a new boldness, a new courage to stand up for the things that we know your word says. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Thank you for joining us today at DP City Church. We would love the opportunity to pray for you, and we are believing God will do big things in your life this year. 
You can contact us at info.dpcitychurch.com. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can visit www.dpcitychurch.com. Thanks again. God bless.